Hey, Anna, remember that time Richard Nixon was a Marvel villain? time and historical podcast i am your host anna webb and i'm your host amanda webb this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all of their favorite moments in history and we're here and we're doing it i'm tired we're tired <laughs> you've had a day oh guys yeah oh everybody i've been putting <laughs> together a bookshelf today <laughs> the event of the day uh, yesterday i put together a desk and that went extremely smoothly Mm -hmm. today i was putting together a much bigger bookshelf and it did not go smoothly at all (laughs) it it took me at least an hour and a half before i figured out why it was falling apart (laughs) oh no yeah so i'm so sorry if i'm a little like what huh Uh what I'm really gonna be one of those days. Gonna be one of those days. Yeah, and you know, getting that vaccine tomorrow. Ayo! And I'm I'm so excited to be getting it, but I'm horrified of shots, Uh so I'm feeling a little anxious. Uh huh. Um, but just in anticipation for that, yeah. I yeah, I always get really anxious like a full twenty four hours before at least, and like I won't be able to drink coffee tomorrow before I go get it because I'll get really like shaky and jittery. Uh huh. Um, so that's fun. It's just like a fun tidbit about me (laughs) for your day. Do like a drink update? Yes, of course. Okay, I'm having some apple cider. Ooh, lovely. Not hard cider, regular cider. Just regular cider. I'm having some regular water. <laughs> Just two normies this episode. Huh? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> two very tired people. <laughs> All right. Um, so this episode is going to be kind of weird. Uh, okay. So I really want to talk about the co- Captain America comics. Because I find them fascinating. What I don't find fascinating is giving you a whole episode where I just, like, tell you the publication history of a bunch of comic books. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, great. that's nothing. And also, our podcast isn't, like, me telling you about, like, his origin story and the entire arc of the character. It's not a comic book podcast. Or or just even, like, a pop culture content. Uh, no. Con- like, that's not what we talk about on this show. Yeah. But... The thing that I find so compelling about the character and about the publication of the comics is the way that the character and the publication, like, evolved through history and, like, reacted to American history. And I find that so cool and fitting for what we talk about on this podcast that I was like, I'm just going to do it and it's going to be kind of funky, but I just want to talk about it. It's great. So, um, you're gonna have to hang with me with this one. (laughs) Um, We'll kind of bounce all over the place, but we'll get there. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're gonna do some bouncing around. I'm gonna talk a little bit, like, about the creators and maybe about, like, a couple more specific things about the character when it becomes, like, relevant to what was happening at the world, in the world when that story was occurring. You know what I mean? Yes. 
Um, also want to say right off the bat, a huge, um, source that I used for this episode was a 2016 documentary called Marvel's Captain America 75 Heroic Years. It was, like, celebrating the 75th anniversary, um, that aired on NBC right after Captain, uh, or sorry, Agent Carter. I remember watching it on TV. (laughs) Um, but I watched it again to help with my research for this episode because it's really good. So I highly recommend that if you are interested at all in what I end up talking about here today. So let's get into it. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Captain America is a superhero that is created by the comic writing duo Joe Simon and Jack Kirby in 1940. So to start, let's talk a little bit about Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Uh, Joe Simon is born as, I believe, Jaime, I think is how you say that name, Simon, uh, in New York in 1913 to Harry Simon, who was a Jewish immigrant, and Rose Simon. His mother <laughs> disliked his first name, <laughs> so she started calling him Joseph until that just stuck. Did did she <laughs> not have any say in what they named him? I guess not. Like, it, they were implied, she- <laughs> like, like, their father... That's named so funny. Him. You know, I don't know. It's weird. She was like, no... I don't Actually, like that. No. It's gonna be this. Instead. So now, this, so he's just started going by Joseph, and now he goes by jo- like that was just so That's odd. So funny. Um, Joe grew up in a first floor apartment that also doubled as his father's tailor shop. So his father was a tailor. Uh, Jack Kirby is born as Jacob Kurtzberg in New York in 1917 to Rose and Benjamin Kurtzberg, who were both Austrian-Jewish immigrants. They both had mothers named Rose. Yes, and they are both first-generation American Jews, which is, uh, 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 you will see, very important to what comes next in their lives, obviously. Um, I'm going to refer to him as Jack Kirby because that was his pen name and that's what he went by for most of his life. So Mm -hmm. um, Jack spent uh, a lot of his younger years living in a one-room tenement house with his Mm -hmm. family. Uh, So both of them came from poorer backgrounds. Uh, They were both very artistic in their youth. Joe was the art director for his school newspaper and yearbook. And Jack taught himself how to draw by studying comic strips. Well, there you go. So, developed early for both of them. Um, In the documentary I was watching, they talked about how Jack Kirby wanted to go to college, but he couldn't get into the school that he wanted to get into because they only took so many Jews a year. Oh, jeez. Which is terrible. Um, Oh, gotta love that. So, like, that was their lives, right? They both grew up as parts of a minority group, and they grew up in areas with a lot of violence and fighting and ethnic fighting and all kinds of stuff they lived in new york city in the 1920s and 30s right like that was just their reality um they were both kind of scrawny dudes they they weren't like big beefy guys (laughs) uh but they both hated bullies so it's just part of their personality and they like stood up for people even when the people were fighting them were much much bigger than them (laughs) um again which will have a very huge influence on the character that they create but that was just a personality aspect of them um throughout their younger younger adult years they have several different writing and editing and illustrating jobs at lots of different companies um 
And they meet while they're both working for the comic book publisher Fox Feature Syndicate. And this is a quote from Joe Simon from, like, a Comic-Con in 1998, I think. Um, <laughs> That's the year you were born. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, but this is a quote from him where he's talking about their first meeting. He said, um, I had a suit and Jack thought it was really nice. He'd never seen a comic book artist with a suit before. <laughs> the reason I had a suit was that my father was a tailor. Jack's father was a tailor, too, <laughs> but he made pants. <laughs> Anyway, I was doing freelance work, and I had a little office in New York about 10 blocks from DC Comics and Fox's offices, and I was working on Blue Bolt for Funnies Incorporated. (laughs) So, of course, I loved Jack's work, and the first time I saw it, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He asked if we could do some freelance work together. I was delighted and took him over to my little office. Hmm. So he just said, hey, I think you're great. We should work together. And he said, all right. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that documentary talked a lot about this fact. And it's just true if you look at any of Jack Kirby's work is that he was a really unique artist because his – and he was so well-suited for comics because his art style was so kinetic. Mm. Um. Action is a really hard thing to capture in a drawing. Yeah. Um, it's a very specific skill. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, without it just being like a, a big like boom and you're just like, oh, right. something blew up. Um, and that was something he was really, really talented at. So he, he that was just a, a, a thing that he could do really hmm. well. Um, so shortly after their meeting, the two of them leave Fox and join the team at the newly formed Timely Comics, which will eventually <laughs> Well, how become... timely? <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, <laughs> this will eventually become Marvel Comics. Marvel, We'll get sure. into that as we go. Um, Martin Goodman is the publisher. Joe is the editor. And Jack uh, eventually becomes the art director. He was, like, sort of unofficially the art director for a couple of years. And then it became his title as time <laughs> went on. Um, this is, uh, a story that was told in that documentary I was watching. Uh, the Kirby and Simon families were really close. They, like, lived across the street from each other. Oh, my gosh. Um, I love that. Joe Simon's daughter was in this interview, and she was saying that she thought that the Kirbys were their cousins when she was growing Aww, up. That's um, sweet. I know. I love it. They were, they were very close uh, friends and they worked together like as a duo writing team for a really long time. In 1940, now we're going to start getting into this historical um, aspect of this and how it influenced all of this. In 1940, Hitler is rising in power in Europe, right? And World War II is like just at its very beginning. And America has not entered the war yet in 1940, right? We're not there yet. No. <laughs> We took our time. We did. We were like, a war over there? Mm, maybe. <laughs> we'll think about it. Um, but as two Jewish men, they're both very aware well, yeah. of what is happening at the world at large. Like, it, it's, it is especially relevant to them, even though it's not t- especially and, relevant to America yet. Uh, well, and, you know, what was happening in America was that, yeah... We were anti-Hitler, but that didn't mean that anti-Semitic, like, sentiment 
wasn't very strong right. at the time. Because it was all over the world at the time. Right. Because we a- weren't against Hitler necessarily because he disliked the Jewish people. Like We were, we were against, against him against because him- he was in like encroaching on other people's borders. Yeah, it was a political thing. Yeah. And yeah. also the genocide was not. We were not pro-genocide. Right. You know? But this, but that this hadn't was, happened yet. Or so. it was very early and people weren't aware of how much it was happening. Right, right. Yeah. right. It was like we were in the kind of earlier stages of that whole process, I uh-huh. guess you could say. Um, and, you know, people weren't realizing the real atrocities that were being committed. So I think that that didn't reach people in America the way we kind of like to think that it did. Yes, you know for sure. I mean? Yes, for sure. Unless you, it was unless it was particularly relevant to you, like it would be for two Jewish men, right? The average person wasn't paying as close of attention to the situation, right? It what I, I I'm rambling a lot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that our position as a country uh-huh. in re the war did not so much affect the anti-Semitism that existed in America. Yes. Is that what I, is that, yes. does that make sense? Okay, got Yes, it, it does, yes. <laughs> Sorry, my brain. Wow. <laughs> Woo, okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, at about the same time, Martin Goodman tells Joe that he's looking to start a comic series for a superhero. Um, Timely Comics was like a, a, pulp magazine publisher Mm. at the start um so they hadn't really delved into superheroes too much yet um so joe simon conceives the idea of a patriotic hero that he originally calls super american (laughs) uh but he decides that there's too many heroes with super in their title Mm, fair enough uh so he changes the name to captain america he thinks it has a better ring to it so Goodman wanted to begin publishing the stories as soon as possible, um, and Joe didn't think that Jack was going to be able to handle the workload alone. So originally, he was going to put together like a small team to work on the series. Um, and here's another quote from him where he's talking about this aspect of it. I didn't have a lot of objections to putting a crew on the first issue. There were two young artists from Connecticut that had made a strong impression on me. Al Avison and Al Gabriel often worked together and were quite successful in their adapting of their individual styles to each other. Actually, their work was not too far from Kirby's. If they worked on it, and if one inker tied the three styles together, I believed the final product would emerge as quite uniform. The two owls were eager to join in on <laughs> the, the new captain <laughs> on the new Captain America book, but Jack Kirby was visibly upset. You're still number one, Jack, I assured him. It's just a matter of a quick deadline for the first issue. I'll make the deadline, Jack promised. I'll pencil it all myself and I'll make the deadline. I hadn't expected this kind of reaction, but I acceded to Kirby's wishes and it turned out was lucky that I did. There might have been two owls, but there was only one Jack Kirby. Aw, I love that. I do too. And this two is owls. this is very um true of Jack and all of his work. He worked so fast; it's like kind of insane. Hmm. He he just was able to. Bur- I at one point in the documentary they were talking about, and this is later in Jack's career, but they were talking about how like he could sometimes put out four books a month. Wow, and he, the like some 
comic artists now don't put out six books a year. Right. Wow. So he he just like worked like a madman his whole life. He was just really really talented. Well, also, you know, we weren't as critical of the art then. Like, I think now it yeah. takes artists a lot longer to put them out because it's like there are actual critics of that particular type of sure, art sure, and sure. like. You know, there are certain standards that they have to meet. So there's a lot of probably like in industry standards. And, and exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Not to say that his work wasn't just as valuable. Right. I just think like it was probably a lot easier for him to like pump out the material yeah well and also if you're not familiar with like how making a comic book works the artist doesn't do every step of the process there's like there's like an artist who draws the comics like jack kirby does but then there's an inker who colors it and then there's like a letterer who puts all of the action in and there's also a script writer so it's like lots of people go into making one comic right um nobody does all the work in the same way that like animation works like that too Mm -hmm. you know anyway that was an aside so all of that's to say captain america comics number one goes on sale on december 20th 1940 its cover features a very iconic image of captain america punching hitler in the face oh i love seeing hitler punched in the face same um and this was a year before Pearl Harbor and oh. before Cap- America had entered World War II. So, you know, now we look at that and we're like, yeah, of course Captain America would punch Hitler in the face. But in 1940, that's a hugely political statement to make yeah. on a comic cover. Because it's before the, like, propaganda machine really took over. And also, like, that, no matter what he's doing, that's a major world leader. Like, they wouldn't have made a comic of somebody punching the right. queen in the face, right? right. Like, well, even I mean, though they might have. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, even though yeah. the things he, were do- he was doing was terrible, he still was, like, in charge of a country. That, that, was, a, that was a really... Um, bold move to well make. it's like it's like now a days if someone were to make an image of their superhero punching like putin in the face it would be a similar like except that it would be like yeah you're right but like wow you know yeah kind of i mean not as much now i guess because mm-hmm. that's more common yeah um <laughs> because media is literally everywhere mm-hmm. um but yeah, that's interesting. I, I think it's interesting that they took such a stance before the, like, propaganda machine was really rolling. Uh-huh. Because, you know, in a short amount of time, that would become, like, the, the norm. a standard thing yeah. to see in media. Well, and, like... And it's kind of like they said, look, this is the position we need to be taking and yeah, we need they, to say... They, it, and that also tells you that, like... That was a message that they decided they wanted to put out into the world. Yeah, and that yeah. they didn't do just to hop on the bandwagon of the propaganda machine. Like right. they they said, like, let's explicitly say that like this is what we believe America is and this is what we believe America should stand against. Right. Um, so, you know, in our discussion of this, this is the quote I think I got from the Wikipedia. I just thought this was well said. Uh Simon said Captain America was a consciously political creation. He and Kirby were morally repulsed by the actions of Nazi Germany in the years leading up to the United States involvement in World War II and felt the war was inevitable. Mm-hmm. The opponents to the war were quite well organized. We wanted to have our say too. 
which is exactly what we were just saying. Yeah. Um, and I also really liked this little comment from the documentary. Goodman was apparently worried someone would shoot Hitler before the first comic was published. <laughs> Man, if only. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have been great for these comics, but would have been amazing for literally everything the world. else. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the first comic sold about a million copies, which was a lot of yeah, comics to sell lot. in 1940. Um, despite its success... It was very controversial, like we were saying before. Um, Jack and Joe receive a lot of hate mail and threats. Uh, the uh, very early form of the American Nazi Party had a really strong presence in New York, and they harassed Jack and Joe. Um, there were pro- protests outside of the timely offices. Um, eventually, LaGuardia, the mayor of New York, contacted them to share his support of their work, and he ordered a police presence to be stationed outside of their office until it, like, cooled down. Wow. Um, so, already, the first comic is published, and it's already a hugely political action. Do you know what's sad? culturally relevant. Do you know what's sad is that I was not at all surprised by you talking about, like, the protests and, like you know people sending them threats and stuff i was surprised at the mayor of new york sending a police presence (laughs) that's the part that i was like oh wow (laughs) oh wow yeah you're right sad yeah you're right um after the u.s entered the war of course captain america only becomes more popular and more relevant to the american people now his enemy is very clear as if it wasn't already before you know um The early issues regularly sold a million copies each. Wow. Uh, They were really popular with soldiers abroad during the war. In that documentary, they were talking about how, like, you didn't have to be able to really read to be able to enjoy those. Right. Yeah. Um, It was, it really brought people together. Um, So before we get too deep, I want to talk very quickly about, like, the origin of that character, just so you understand him as we go forward. Mm -hmm. So basically, Steve Rogers is a kid that's, Born in the 20s, grows up during the Great Depression. He's orphaned. He's real scrawny and has like a million medical issues. Oh, Um, yeah. We all remember how they made what's his name look super skinny in the movie. Chris Evans. Yep. They like so bizarre. It's really weird the way his (laughs) face tracks. Every time I see it, I'm like, and it's so much more of the movie than you remember it being. And then you're like, what? what?" I rewatched it the other day and I was like, huh? It's like very early. uncanny valley yeah in a yeah, weird yeah, yeah, way yeah yeah that, yeah that like makes me so uncomfortable for sure for sure um Ooh. anyway he's a real scrawny guy um and he wants to like be a part of the war effort he wants to be a soldier but like he can't get enlisted because he has so many medical issues um and he through events meets this scientist who's working on this super serum that will make of a course. super super soldier the goal is to make you know a bunch of super soldier soldiers who can fight Hitler with less casualties and make America strong or whatever. Um, so he gets this serum and he becomes big and strong and becomes Captain America. Um, but then the scientist is killed right after he of becomes course. big and strong. And so he's the only one of his kind now. And then he goes on and fights and whatever. Um, I'll also mention briefly that uh, they thought that he needed a kid's sidekick because that was a thing. It was yeah. a trope. Um, Batman Robin. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, so they gave him Bucky, who I completely forgot was a child originally. Uh, because they didn't make current, him a kid. In current right? canon, he's not. Right. Um, it, which it absolutely makes sense. It was the right decision, well, but I forgot that he was his, a child. Hello, his name is Bucky. Come on. Well, Obviously, it's, it's, that's a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but you know he was like the camp mascot that found Steve changing and revealed a secret identity and he was like well now I guess you gotta work with me he took a 10 year old on the battlefield with him anyway um, yeah I gotta say don't love the pro war rhetoric but that's just me oh oh yeah and we'll you know, talk and about also, that sort also of as we go. the times you know yep. I get it yeah but I think that's part of why the comics were never really like for me Right. I could and, never really jive with it personally. And we will talk more sort of about that aspect as yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Steve. We'll talk about him a lot as we go along. Anyway. Uh, Jack and Joe actually both leave Timely Comics uh, for National Comics, which would eventually become DC. Yeah. Which is interesting. Because um, they don't believe that they're being fairly compensated based on how popular the series is. And they and oh, they were correct. They, they weren't. They were getting like... I think it was like $75, $85 a week. And when they signed for National Comics, they were they signed for $500 a week. Wow. So they weren't, you know. Um, Goodness. So their, their last issue together of the original run is um, number 10. But the comics continue after their leave and they're still just as popular. And Joe eventually leaves the industry. Jack will eventually return to Marvel. And we'll talk about that more later. Gotcha. Uh, so after the war ends people start losing their interest in superheroes in general right they they don't want to read about people fighting anymore they're really tired of that fair enough um so like sci-fi romance mystery comics become more and more popular eventually tv starts developing and then the whole medium of comics starts suffering because of that um and of course captain america's story really suffers mm. because of how heavily it was focused on World War II and on fighting Nazis. Like right. the he was while not always explicit like he was fighting Nazis, but also like the fictional supervillain he was fighting was a part of a subgroup of Nazis, right? Like Red Skull is right. is a Nazi. So like his his whole thing is focused on that. So what do you even do after that point when that's and who a knew? character? Back then, that it would still be relevant now, today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shockingly enough. Yikes. It shouldn't have been, but Yikes. here we are. Yep. Um, <sighs> so, uh, Captain America Comics, that under that title, runs until about uh, 1949. Captain America sort of is in and out of several other stories and uh, comics sure. for several years. He briefly returns for a series where he's branded as Captain America, commie smasher. Oh, sure, sure. Because then we were all into uh-huh. the whole, Yeah. But it actually, it was a little early for that because this was in like early 1950. So we weren't even like yeah, that deep into it Yeah, but it was like a term. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, we get it. The, that revival was a commercial failure and that series is canceled in 1953. So we go several years with no more Captain America. Yeah. In 1961, Timely Comics relaunches as Marvel Comics, which they still are today. Right. Um, when they relaunch, they relaunch with the Fantastic Four, uh, which is wildly popular and really helps to usher in this renewed interest in superheroes. So superheroes mm-hmm. and comics in general go through a huge boom in the 60s. Yeah. Um, l- largely thanks to this. I always liked Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, and this is about the same time that Jack Kirby rejoins with um, with now Marvel oh, Comics. Uh-huh. So in 1964, 
they decide to bring Captain America back. Um, Stan Lee, who we all know is, as the Mr. Man. Marvel now, um, he, he was with Timely Comics back in the day as well. Um, and he sticked with, stuck with them, and he's with them still, or he was until he passed. Um, so he decides that they need to bring Captain America back. He loves that character. Now that there's a renewed interest, let's bring him back. So he's reintroduced through um, the Avengers comics, issue number four. Uh, the story- Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Comedy. I'm kidding. Um, it's literally everywhere. It is literally everywhere. Everywhere. Uh huh. <laughs> so the story of Cap's resurrection, which was conceived by Stan Lee and is drawn by Jack Kirby, um, is that he and Bucky were in a plane that was shot down and crashed into like an iceberg into oh, the sure. North Atlantic Ocean. Um, when he lands, he freezes and he's oh, in course. a state of suspended animation mm-hmm. sure. until his body is recovered. Classic, yeah, classic, of naturally. Um. But now, instead of his, like, major brand being, like, a hyper-patriotic soldier figure, his role is, like, a man out of time who's trying to adapt to modern society, um, which is just a great idea for a character whenever you have any interest at all in having any kind of social commentary. Doing it through the lens of a person like that is Mm. brilliant. Yeah, I like that much better. Me too. Like, the original Captain America had all of its merit for the time that it was in, absolutely. This is when the character, I think, really and truly becomes who he is. Yeah, well, like you said, it's just so much more interesting. And it allows a lot more, like, um, movement. A lot more freedom. Yes. To, like comment on more than just one particular moment in history like yes. you said like, because because now you have a character who has this whole outlook on how the world is supposed to be placed into a completely different world and having to like reckon with that is really interesting right and so much more interesting as you move on and see like uh-huh what life was like back then and all the things we didn't know and how does he reconcile that as he like goes. that worldview that mm-hmm. sort of what we call now like old-fashioned worldview mm-hmm. you know into like where we would be mm-hmm. now and that's why it works then. and that's why it's going to continue to work as we go right. on and right. that's why he becomes so perfect for just the role as a media figure you know like mm-hmm. it, he it just slots right in um Obviously, the rebirth of this character is hugely popular. He's in the Avengers comics. He becomes a leader in that group, and he eventually gets his own comics again, you know. Uh, For the next several years, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby are working together on Captain America and several other characters that help to make Marvel just a hugely popular and very successful company. Um, And then, in the late 60s, America starts experiencing just, like, this huge social movement you know several different social movements all at once yeah Yeah. so there are a lot of demonstrations protesting the vietnam war um but it's also the height of the social social justice movement wow i just tripped right over that um (laughs) and you know uh protesting for rights of black americans um and because of the social social justice movement (laughs) let me get that out of my mouth um stan lee recognizes that there needs to be more black characters in Marvel comics. Yes. And again, I say good on them because many white men would not do that. No. But but then again, you that's where you recognize that, like, these are Jewish men who lived through World War II. Right. 
and and they understand their experience with how they relate to black Americans is very different than say someone like me. Yeah. Who yes, is of European, sure. you know, mm-hmm. Anglo-Saxon descent. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so in 1966, Stanley and Jack Kirby create Black Panther, um, who's the first yes. black superhero, yes. which is amazing. And then uh, in 1968, they create the Falcon, who is a hero who has the power of flight um, and they. I'm so sorry. The way you said that, <laughs> made me think of, you know, that episode of The Office where Michael dresses up as Jesus and he calls David Wallace <laughs> and he's like, "Guess who I'm dressed up as right now?" I'll give you a hint. He has the power of flight. He can heal leopards. <laughs> that is exactly what it sounded like. You're right. <laughs> the way you said it was exactly the same. Oh, man. He can heal leopards. <sighs> That one always gets me. Uh, anyway, I'm so sorry to interrupt your no, sentence fine. there, but <laughs> I, could, I was going to crack up and no one would know why. So <laughs> I needed to explain it. Um, but yeah, so they create Sam Wilson, the Falcon, uh, to be partnered with Captain America. Because at this time, he's like kind of a loner character. Um, Except and, for Bucky. Well, but he's he's dead. <laughs> yeah, right. This is before right. they bring Bucky back. That's right. <laughs> Um, but I found this super interesting, and this is a fact that I actually only just learned this week um, because of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier television show, which is um, absolutely why I'm doing this episode. <laughs> um, but the Falcon is the first black superhero to not have the word black in his title. Huh. Seems like we could have thought about that a while ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> but there was like a joke in the new episode, uh, and he's like walking down the street, and this little kid goes... Hey, it's Black Falcon. And he goes, no. And he goes, no, it's just Falcon. And he said, my dad said it was Black Falcon. And he said, no, do, do I call you Black Kid? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but yeah, I love that. Uh, and his presence in the comics really helps to connect Steve to, like, the realities of the America that he's now living in. Mm-hmm. He's, like, sort of that, like, youth pandering character you know what i mean like but like he he steve needed somebody to ground him who was of the times he's like hey old guy (laughs) yeah um and that's who sam becomes and he's not like a kid sidekick like bucky was but no but he's like he he understands the kids yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um fellow youths Because that's Captain America, right? Like, hello, Philly. Very he's much. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that same year, the Captain America comics launch into the Mad Bomb story arc. <laughs> um, and this is one, like, this is kind of the first example of this character and this story, like, really understanding the times that they were in. Uh, so the concept of the story is that there's, like, a group of rich elites that want to overthrow the government and the Constitution, and they do so by creating this mad bomb that drives ordinary people insane and makes them fight against each other and kill each other. Oh, my God. And then I was watching oh that. I was watching God. that documentary, and this guy, who's uh, one of the writers for Black Panther, who was being... Uh, interviewed was like and it's still happening he was like oh. shouting he was like and it's still our reality today as you were reading that i just got so stressed out uh-huh. i was like oh my god 
But like here, here we see sort of for the first time, Captain America living in the reality of his the America that he was being right. written in. Right. Um. And then in oh, 1972, boy. the Watergate scandal breaks. Yeah, classic. <laughs> I'm gonna do an episode on that sometime. Absolutely. By the way. Not um, sure when, but. But then you know with the controversies around vietnam and now with watergate there's a huge air of disillusionment around the idea of steve rogers being this unflinching patriotic hero when america oh, yeah. seems so unheroic right there now. was not a strong sense of patriotism at all yeah and they could like it not only was it like not smart for the comic writers to just keep being like yay America, it also didn't fit the char- like his values at all. When they think about this guy who was made in the forties for this idea mm-hmm. of like a free America, right. living through this time, of course he would be disheartened by the America he had been placed into because he um, thought it would all be better by now. Exactly. Yeah. So the comic writers begin this story where a group called the Secret Empire has infiltrated the highest levels of government. And Captain America discovers the conspiracy. And after he discovers how high up the corruption goes in the government, he becomes so disillusioned with the idea of America as he knows it that he gives up being Captain America. Oh, boy. He puts down the shield. So the writers said... If this is not the America that he was made to fight for, then he can't be Captain America. Yeah, they made the decision to not force the character into this patriotism that didn't exist, mm-hmm. which was smart. And, and you know, like, even though you're right, like, that patriotism wasn't popular then, it's still, like, is popular for a lot of people. Um, and so it would have yeah, been but, really easy to just be like, and Steve but they, still loves America. But they would have lost their, their core fan base would. because their core fan base Was does young. not. Yeah. yeah. And, and is interested in the social issues that the comics are addressing. And if yeah. he had just been like, well, I'm still a patriot. Yeah. Like that betrays everything that they've built up in the yeah. character to this and point. And it also wasn't honest for the, for the experience writers. Experience of the character or the writers, exactly. Yeah. Um, so for the next few issues of this series, Steve becomes Nomad, who's a, the man without a country. Yeah. Um, but then, like, they're not going to be able to, it's, it's called Captain America. Comics, right. So they're not going to be able <laughs> right. to sell Nomad. So he takes the mantle up again as he defeats the secret empire. Um, but he breaks into the Oval Office to uncover the man behind the conspiracy. And the comics never show the character's face. But it is very heavily implied oh, to be yeah. Richard Nixon. <laughs> I mean, it's Nixon. Um, the writer in the documentary was like, I couldn't say it was Nixon, but like it was Nixon. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely Nixon. Which I think is so funny. I don't think you needed to say. That like, Richard Nixon is like canonically a Marvel supervillain. <laughs> Well, I mean, look at the man. He's a supervillain. I know. I know. Um, but like from this point on, the character of Captain America doesn't work for or with the government anymore. This is when it starts this arc of him like working against the government and for the American people. Mm-hmm. Because now he is not Captain country of america he's like right. captain people of america right which is a way more honest take on that character totally I, it's more 
it's more in line with what love of country really is. He he if he was supposed to be the ultimate patriot, then this is what good patriotism should look like. Love of your country is desire to improve it. Exactly. And, th- and that's, you know, that's where the character Exactly. Goes. I think some people like see Captain America or like if I tell people that like he's my favorite, they're like, why? Because I'm like not a very patriotic person in the way that we think no. of patriotism yeah, anymore. Same. Like I don't care for America most days. Um but this is why I'm so infatuated with this character. Right, because the truth of the character is not, you know, just accept things as they are. Mm-hmm. It's if you love the place that you are you're from you need to work to make it better. Exactly. And that's, by the way, what we all should be doing all uh-huh. the time. Mm-hmm. And when we say we don't like America, that's not what we mean. No. <laughs> yeah. We mean we love it and we want it to be better. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so in the 80s and 90s, people start to sort of lose interest in the character of Captain America. because, And this is the same thing we saw happen with Nintendo and the yeah, Genesis, yeah, yeah. right? Because like, now they're in for like the cool guys or like the oh, like yeah. kind of punk brooding kind of characters like Wolverine and Punisher. Um, yeah. You know, they didn't really want this like wholesome Well, you guy. know, grunge comes in to yeah. style and like and then people it's like, want somebody who doesn't really care, you know? Like, or then you got like, like that radical like kind of take and you want yeah. like kind of cooler guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then in about 2000, Marvel begins working on rebooting Captain America. Like, they get a new writer, and that's what they're working on. Uh, After about a year of work on a new concept for the series, 9-11 happens. Of course, yes. So they end up scrapping the work that they had done on the series to focus on a new story for the character because Mm -hmm. this moment in America is so pressing. How could he not respond to it? Sure. Um, With the history of what we've seen so far of how he responds to every pressing moment in America, how could he not? And with the creators being from New York. I mean, they were talking. It's personal documentary they were talking about how many of them watched it happen their offices are in new york they they couldn't not write about that and steve's from new york you know like they it was it had to it had to be Mm -hmm. um so this new series like starts right off the bat with steve in new york trying to help the first responders in their efforts uh, after the Twin Towers were hit. And it's like a bunch of superheroes being like, you know, with all of our powers, we couldn't do anything to help. Right. Um, and that first issue really focuses in on, like, honoring the first responders. Like, it makes me emotional to think about it. It was like yeah. a really, yeah, it's it's really beautifully done. Um, but then in the aftermath of that, that's when, you know, our the war on terror mm. really kicks in and... This continues that new trend for Steve as a character of questioning his beliefs and his faith in America. Right. Um, he gets really more involved in like actual real political issues more so than he had ever done before because it's so relevant now. Yeah. Um. So as there are more and more government restrictions being placed on the country after 9-11, the character begins to question how much liberty can people give up for the sake of their safety like how much should the government infringe on your life for the for the idea of safety you know 
Oh boy, that's heavy. Yes, it is. Um, and that debate is what sparks the Civil War story arc in the right. comics, which is one of my favorites. Um, so the story sort of goes like this. While they're attempting to fight a villain, there is like an explosion that the heroes aren't able to stop and it ends up hurting a bunch of civilians. Um, and after this event, the government decides that heroes have too much freedom and free reign to fight whoever they want, wherever they want. So they begin implementing the Superhero Registration Act, which would force all heroes to be registered through the government and then to be sent out on missions based on decisions made by the government. Which is like, oh man. (laughs) Especially when you think about the context of the other Marvel stories wherein there's like mutants who are actively being discriminated against by the government all the time in those comics. So it's like, hi, not great, (laughs) this this concept, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And also with the whole idea of, like, secret identities, they didn't want to reveal the secret identities of a lot of these people. There's a a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Um, So Tony Stark's Iron Man falls in favor of the new act. Of course. Steve obviously is very against it. He's like that that he he will he always ends on the sides of like individual rights over the government. Like that's just the nature of the character, Um, especially now when we're talking about him believing in like America's people over America's government. Like that's obviously where he was going to fall in this, you know. Sure. Have thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On the concept, not the character. Yeah. It makes sense for the character. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But then this causes this huge split among the heroes, and they fight, and, you know, it's a whole big thing. But after seeing the harm that the fighting is causing, Steve surrenders himself, whatever. Um, But then here again is another example of a huge pressing event in American history and Mm -hmm. them reflecting it well in the comics. Like, that's why I wanted to do this episode, because I think that... He just so perfectly represents everything that America has gone through since the creation of that character. Yeah. Um, they were just so brilliantly able to reflect the changing world through that character. Mm-hmm. And I love any time that can happen. But for someone who's been a lo- around for as long as him, it's I think it's just a really unique way to look at the way the world has changed through fiction. Yeah. You know? Um, so just to sort of, uh, bridge a little gap in his character and talk about the next very cool thing I think that they do with that character, um, shortly after that series, uh, Marvel creates this, like, mini-series where Captain America is killed, um, a bunch of characters try to, uh, take up the title of Captain America, including Steve's old sidekick, Bucky, who they, like, oh, brought Bucky. back to life, and he was brainwashed, and he was this, like, Cold War <gasps> so- soldier. He's he's my other favorite. Um, <laughs> and I could talk for a long time about that, but that's a whole other <laughs> other thing. Um, but, you know, eventually, they obviously bring Steve Rogers back to life, and he becomes Captain America again, whatever. Um, and I'm... I'm really bridging the gaps here on some of these characters, these um, <laughs> stories, because it's like less important. But you know, there's this plot where his character begins to like age more rapidly because the serum that was given to him to become Captain America like starts to wear off. I can't remember why, whatever. Um, but at this point, Steve decides to pass on the title of Captain America to Sam Wilson, 
which makes Sam the first black Captain America. That's very interesting. In the year 2014. (laughs) But like, you know what I mean? So there again, we're seeing. That could cause a conflict of. A lot of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like, again, that reflection of the times, they're like, well, why wouldn't a black man be Captain America? But also like, maybe why would they? Yeah. But then that allows them to go into Sam's character and the things he struggled with as a black America and the things that he thinks America should look like as a black man, which is what they're doing in the TV show right now, which is why it's so good. Um, But you know what I mean? So it like creates this whole new way for them to look at America through the eyes of a black man. Again, just allowing this character to like become what the world needs it to be at that moment. Right. It's so well done. Um, Since then, They've, like, revived Steve, and he's Captain America again, or I don't know, and he's they're still making comics about him, whatever. That's the thing about episodes like this is, like, it's still happening, so I don't right, really have, right. like, an end point for you. Um, but I do have a, a, another great example of them staying relevant to the times um, that was just announced, like, not that long ago. I just read about this. Um, this is a quote I got from some article when I was Googling this idea. Um The limited series, The United States of Captain America, um, Steve Rogers, who is the original Captain America, and other characters who have donned the costume go on a road trip across the United States to find his stolen shield. I don't know why. Whatever. Um, But along the way, they encounter everyday people from all walks of life who have taken up the mantle of Captain America to defend their own communities. Oh, interesting. So they're, like, highlighting these people who have been inspired by Steve, who take up that, like, you know, and the way that Spider-Man just decided to defend his community, these people have decided to do it, too. Um. One of these everyday people is the new character Aaron Fisher, a.k.a. Captain America of the Railways, a fearless teen who stepped up to protect fellow runaways and the unhoused because Aaron Fisher is a homeless gay character. Wow. So Fisher will also become the first LGBTQ plus character in the comics history to carry the mantle of Captain America. Wow. So just like... You know, I love yeah. it. I just think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. Um, so yeah, like I said, not really an endpoint. They're still making comics of that character. Um, but I just think it's a really cool way to look at history through a character mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I'm really happy and impressed with the fact that they continue to find ways to adapt. A character created in the 40s, which by all rights should have been gone a long time ago. Well, it's so rare that you get a character that's basically, like, created to address the issue of the time, but that has the ability to live on. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, you know, you couldn't do that with a lot of other superheroes because that it wasn't their intention to begin with, to, like, be a commentary necessarily on the times. So, but like you know, a, they made a huge political statement making the character in the first place. So of right. course that's what he was going to continue to be. It would have been dishonest. Well, to yeah, not make you him couldn't that. have done anything else with mm-hmm. that character at that point. I mean, and then when they, they came made, in pretty hot, they when they made the decision to like let other people be Captain America, to just say like 
these are other people in America who deserve to, like, represent this country. And here's all the different ways that they deserve to do that with people like Sam. Like, that's so cool, too. I, I Well, it really... just shows you how, like, the idea of what is and is not American has morphed and changed and, frankly, become better over time. Uh-huh. Though we're still, you know, working on it. But, you know, uh, like, to not allow other people to be represented in that character would again be pretty disingenuous uh-huh. character to based what it, on to it's the intention of it yeah right yeah so yeah it's very interesting i just i love that two jewish men made a character intended to punch hitler and now and we, here we are <laughs> and now we have a gay captain america and that just Look makes me really happy come. just think yeah. it's really 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 cool and I, n- yeah. none of this involves all of the movie stuff, which could could be a whole I, other. Yeah, I don't want to talk about. Yeah, that. it's a lot. To be um, fair, I listen. I find this very interesting. I was more of a DC gal yes. myself growing up, just because I loved the Justice League. Like I really liked Superman stories and Wonder Woman and stuff. But like, um, you know, it's just not my jam really for the most part. And like, this is real. The history very interesting to me. I am so utterly uninterested in Marvel movies. <laughs> I know. I kn- and I you love them They're so much. They're my favorites. I love but them. But I just can't I'm so uninterested. <laughs> and it's not that I actively dislike them cuz there are some that I like. I like the X-Men mm-hmm. ones, uh, some of them. And you know, I have never seen any of the Avengers ones because I just I'm not interested. <laughs> Every time people start talking about it, I'm like, I'm sorry. I know you're really into this. I just can't. I just can't bring myself to be interested. But like, you know, the history of the comics is interesting to me. Uh, yeah, like, that's I, the other I, thing. I like, like to I know just about find, the creators. And... I find history of comics in general to be interesting. Yeah. The, the I, medium I is really cool. In the same way that I, I think, don't like, dislike comics. I like yeah, comics. Yeah. I'm just like... I don't know. It's just like something about this massive movie franchise, even when it wasn't massive yet. I was just like, okay. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's because the Dark Knight trilogy to me was like so good that after that I was like, you just didn't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't care anymore. Even for other. That scratched the itch and then you were fine. (laughs) Yeah, even for other DC ones, I was like, Eh. okay. (laughs) But I mean, to be honest, those weren't as good, but you know, whatever. Um, did I say Wonder Woman earlier? That's yeah. not what I meant to say. When? Earlier when I was talking about Superman. You said you liked Superman and Wonder Woman and other people like that. Yeah. You like listed a few. I meant to say Supergirl. Oh. But I do like Wonder Woman. I just had a moment where I was like, did I say that earlier? And that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> I meant to say Supergirl. But I liked Wonder Woman too, of right. course. Hello. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. Um, an icon. But mm. yeah. I, you know, and when I was younger... Like, Batman was the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody was super into Batman when I was younger. So maybe that also is, like, just because I wasn't into, like, the Marvel comics. Like, maybe, you know, I don't know. Mm. Batman and Superman were just more popular when I was a kid. Yeah. So it just, I don't know. So this was really interesting. I'm really glad I learned about it. I very much enjoyed this episode. I'm glad. Um, I just, I don't want anybody to get, to expect that I will ever be interested in any of those films because I'm just (laughs) not. Listeners, if you would like to talk about superhero stuff, talk to me about superhero stuff. I'm happy to talk about it. I love it. Amanda's the one to talk to about that. Yeah, hit me up. Uh, I just, I'm, uh, 
Man, wow. <laughs> I just like I'm trying to um muster up some enthusiasm for him. I just can't. I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> It's just not my thing. And now it's, like, too dug in to get into it now, so, like, what would even be the point? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> not worth it. I cannot. Can you imagine right now being like, I'm going to go back and watch all of the Marvel movies to catch up on the universe? No, thank you. I did that with a couple of friends, like, just before um, Infinity War, and it was a lot. Okay, but you've seen them already, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, So you no, I'm have saying, to- like, I know people who have done that, and it was rough. <sighs> no, thank you. Please. Well, that was a great episode. I don't know what I'm going to talk about next time. Haven't thought about it. Um, Like I said, I'm really tired. So yeah, the only reason this one hit this week is because it's been on my list for a long time. And then I've been very into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I was like, it's time. I got to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I don't know what it's going to be next time. But uh, if you listeners have any suggestions for topics or if you have questions or comments etc etc you can email us at remember that pod at gmail.com and you can also find us on twitter at rtt pod um we're also on facebook if you just search the name of the podcast we'll pop up um if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this that would be amazing um and if you want to find me on the internet i am at the real anna webb and i'm at acw nerdfighter tweet me about marvel please i'd love it (laughs) well there you have it (laughs) that's the call to action yes so uh until next time remember that time